sales really is more like sports than just the cliche of motivation and being resilient and so on. It's about how we make people better. And there's so many lessons we could take from the way sports teams that are performance-based organizations do it. And we're not there yet. Yeah, I think sports and military, because the military don't do anything without a pre-call plan or some kind of campaign plan. They don't do anything without that. And then they run the campaign or try and capture the hill or whatever it is. And then they instantly review and that's how they get better. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was Antonio Garrido. He's the CEO of Sandler Training in Miami and author of a new book titled The 21st Century Ride-Along, which more often than not these days is now a virtual ride-along. And Antonio is joining me today on Sales Enablement, episode 780, to talk about the new culture of sales management required for success today. And Antonio will share his take on the top six responsibilities of sales managers and how research shows that most sales leaders focus only on two of those six, and perhaps not surprisingly, the easy two. We'll dig into how sales leaders should be developing the potential of their people, how to make it happen through a commitment to continuous incremental improvement. And also we'll dive into how to plan and execute a successful ride-along. And Antonio will lay out a very specific process for ensuring the ride-along has value for all participants. All that and much, much more. But before we get to Antonio, I want to let you know the whole team of people who work to produce this podcast are incredibly grateful for all of you who support us by listening to the show, telling your friends, sharing it on social media, and most importantly, subscribing to the show and giving us your feedback in the form of a rating and review. And if you haven't already done so, please connect with me on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, search for Andy Paul. I know there's more than one, but after the slash, it's real Andy Paul. So that's where I'm having a lot of conversations about important sales topics these days. And also, please drop me a message if you have a question about anything that we discuss on this show. All right, let's jump into it. Antonio Garrido, welcome to the show. Andy, thanks ever so much for the, uh, for the invitation. I, I am uh, very happy to be here. Well, good. So where are you joining us from? Where, actually, more accurately, where are you sheltering in place? <laughs> I'm sheltering in place where I live, which is in uh, in Miami. I know this probably wasn't the accent that you were probably expecting, but um, yes, I home is Miami these days. Very interesting. So how long have you been there? So came here to set up the company seven years ago. So I've been here for seven years. Seven um, years. Okay. Yeah. And you said you come from the northeast of the UK, from Manchester, originally from Manchester. So I lived, lived most of my life there. I, li- I lived as a, as a very young child um, in, in Spain, hence the name Antonio Garrido, right? Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a terribly British name, but I lived in the UK for most of my life. And I'm such a, an, 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 an old chap that I, I was, I've been in the UK for ever such a long time, but Miami for seven years. It's, and it's great. Uh, I absolutely love it here. Oh, good. So you don't miss the Manchester weather. <laughs> I don't, except huh. that um, uh, we don't have. We certainly don't have any hurricanes uh, in, in, <laughs> in in Manchester, and we do have threats of them very often in Miami. But so far, we've been we've been really fortunate. We've we've dodged every one so far. Um, so yeah, that's that's our biggest that's our biggest worry. I think it's more of a worry. I think than COVID. Well, yeah, mathematically, perhaps, though, you know, 
we'll see how the we'll see how my Florida affair is going forward and and how they manage this whole thing. So um, so well, thank you for joining us. We're gonna talk about your your book. You've written a book called The Twenty First Century Ride Along, mm-hmm. and um, so what was the impetus for writing this book? So this is this is my second book. Um, and this book particularly, I, I, I originally, lot, lots of people come through, um, let's say senior C-suite, uh, directorship, leadership, management through a variety of routes. Some people come through the route of accountancy and some people come through the route of manufacturing. And I've always ever, I always have been, uh, sales and marketing. That's the route that I came through. And so that's always been my, um, my expertise and my experience. And so, um, in, in the organizations that I worked for and then ultimately ran, Ride Along was a very keen, integral, part of the, the whole of the sales process it really was uh, stamped in 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 the dna of the organizations that i worked for and then ran and therefore it kind of became stamped into my dna it's my mm-hmm. M- mo for doing things and yet despite the, despite the massive advantages to ride alongs um they don't seem to be as uh uh, as 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 widely used as they should be, that the people are the, the, they either love them or, or, or they hate them, and and I thought the ride alongs got a, a a rather bad rap, and so I wanted to set right some wrongs. Uh, that was the first uh, in, uh, in, impetus, I think, and and also just to make people very much more aware of the of, of the power of ride alongs and, and to consider them. Uh, it, it was interesting when. The book came out. The book came out about fifteen minutes before the world went into lockdown mode. Right, stay at home yeah. and shelter. Yeah. Right? And, and and I thought to myself, I had a, a it, genuinely that was what the timing was like. And I thought to myself for about fifteen minutes, I thought, this is is this the unluckiest timing of any <laughs> book launch in the history of man? And then, interestingly enough, what happened was I. Um, one of my largest clients sent uh, a, a, sent an email to all of their uh, employees and the seventeen thousand of them, and basically said um, all travel was banned. All travel, all travel was yeah, to be, yeah. was to be halted. Right, um, and and this is about six seven weeks ago. Um, so I was thinking, cracky, is this the worst time to launch a book where? Sales managers are not going to go into the field and, and, and actually get in a car and travel around and see people. And about 15 minutes after the, the email came from the CEO to say that all travel is banned, the VP of sales for that organization, it was as, cl- it was as quickly as 15 minutes, Andy, wrote an email to, to all of the sales function and said, this is great news because all of the time that we would book travel and then drive to an airport and then wait for an airplane and then travel on the airplane and then land and then hire a car and then drive to where we were going to go uh, and then do all of that in reverse because ultimately you have to go home. All of that time now, which was unproductive dead time, we can now use for our ride-alongs, to get our ride-alongs properly embedded. Uh, virtually, of course, but now let's use that time to do it better than we ever have. And, and that was 
it was unprompted. He did it, you know, he, he entirely did it on his own. So I had a very bleak, very dark 15 minutes. And then I thought, ah, no, of course, this is the best time in the world ever to well, release I, a book on yeah. Ryder Lobs. Well, I mean, so as I, I'll tell you, as I started reading your book and I, yeah, I knew in advance what it was about, but I start digging into it. It's like, yeah, I mean, COVID notwithstanding, there's still the bigger question is, is given the trends in sales, yes, there's still field sales forces, and but increasingly we're seeing more and more virtual selling, and, and we have to expect to some degree um, more and more of the field teams will be either hybrid or virtual teams going forward. Right. Is that, yeah, find the ride-along itself is really better thought of as sort of a, a concept rather than actually getting in the car and hopping and going and visiting yeah. prospects, which, yeah. yeah, in my career as a manager and as a seller, yeah, I mean, I'd, I had sellers all over the world. I'd, you know, doing ride-alongs in Asia and the UK and as well as the US and so on. Right. Um, almost got killed in one in, in the UK. Um, okay. <laughs> you were driving on the wrong side of the road, probably. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't driving. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> the, guy that, the guy that worked for me, we were in a hurry to, we were going from, I think London out to Stevenage, I think. And, okay, and, yeah, yeah, that's right. Of the A1. And um, this really tiny Austin Mini. Right. And, yeah, he was tailgating the people in front of us going probably, you know, 100 kilometers an hour. And there's like, right. you know, two feet of metal and nothing else between me and the certain death. So, right. um, he got a great performance review except for his driving. But, uh-huh. um <laughs> So yeah, we really have this question: Is is our ride-alongs even relevant? And I think it's it's not whether the relevance, just sort of the form, is whether we're doing virtually or physically. We sure. still need to be done. Exactly. Exactly. And if you think about it, you know, we we all kind of when we think of a ride-along or a field accompaniment or you know whatever language that the individual or the organization uses, the principle of the ride-along, whether it's face-to-face, actual, virtual you know the, the the platform if you like the mechanism doesn't it doesn't really uh, matter and you can ride along you know you can ride along uh, a customer service call right so that's a desk ride along yeah. where you're listening to a call and you um or, or a recording of the call and you're giving somebody some feedback um, if you think about if you think about a pilot in a flight simulator, for example, that's a ride along where somebody's role playing something and, and, and trying to get better. And that's a ride along too. So you, there can be real ride alongs and there can be virtual ride alongs and there can be, um, it could be, uh, a role play ride along. There's, there's lots of ways to do it. The leadership can, can, you can ride sure. along in a meeting. Uh, and I mean an internal meeting, right? So the CEO yeah. can go to an internal meeting, and that's also right. But I think I think the the point that that's really important to, and this is a trend that's happening already in in sales with the technology, with conversational intelligence and platforms and so on, is that sure is that we've moved from this idea of saying, well, let's coach things based on anecdotal recall of what happened, to let's coach people based on what actually happened, right? And so the the value of the ride along in the physical sense is getting in the copying the car and going visiting prospects. I, you know, I love to do that. If I had a seller that was in in trouble and back in the early days of my sales management career when it was more local territory, I'd say, yeah, let, yeah, John, let's <laughs> let's get your keys. We're gonna go make calls, right? Right. Um, numbers are down. Let's go make calls. And but you know now 
you can sort of do some of that. Yeah, you know, so through the tools we have, you can do a lot of it. And I, I think that that um, you're just going to see more of that going forward. I think we're yeah, it's really experiential. You know, I saw something online not that long ago about some uh, sales coach, executive sales coach, uh, was making this point right in a LinkedIn post is like, hey, all you video trainers that have curriculum is you, know, you can't help people because you're not there in the moment right um no don't think that's absolutely true but there there is no substitute for actually seeing people in action or hearing them in action yeah indeed and you make a good point because what what often happens and, and in the book we do explore you know the good and the bad right and the good habits and the bad habits or good behaviors and bad behaviors but what you just said andy which was you know in the past where you have said, hey, your numbers are down, let's go and spend a few days in the field. That That's typically what prompts a ride-along, typically, right? And and that's not what I want a ride-along to be. Um, I, You know, I, exactly as you said, it, it, it should be a very standard part of somebody's um, MO. I, I remember uh, one of the things that we used to talk about when, when I was first learning how to you know, how, how, how to do really good ride-alongs because there's lots of good habits and bad habits, as you can imagine. And um, we used to have an expression, which was, um, it, it was, it was linked to, you know, we're, we're, we're going to spend some time in the field with somebody that's struggling to try and help them. And, and then the person that was quote unquote struggling, they would then very, very much stage manage the day. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so we used to have an expression. Attempt which, good uh, sales goals. Right. Okay. So, so, um, so in the book we talk about, I think it's one of the, either in chapter one or chapter two. And I, and I discuss, does the world think, does the queen think that the world smells of paint? Right. So, you know, the mm-hmm. nice old lady on the stamps, right? So, uh, so she's a very busy lady and everybody knows that she's, you know, when she's going to arrive. And typically, um, when the queen's going to arrive, they spruce the place up rather, don't they? They give everything a fresh look of paint and they make sure that everything looks lovely for the queen's arrival. And so what, what often happens is a sales manager will see that somebody's struggling. They'll call them up and they'll say, Hey, you're only at 80% of your numbers at the moment. A week on Thursday, I'm going to, I'll come along and ride along with you. Right. And then suddenly that person jumps into action and he puts together a very stage managed day. Right. And so we're always, we, we always used to say to ourselves, is the world smelling of paint here? Is this all very stage <laughs> yeah. managed? Right. Well, but the point is the inverse is the word is just as bad. The one I described is, you know, some of these 80% numbers and it's like, Hey, John, grab your keys. Let's go make calls. Right. The surprise attack. Yeah. Well, A, it's a surprise attack. And B is, is, you say, let's go call on you know company ABC who you've been calling on. It's like, well, yeah, but does this does the seller, and maybe this is part of the problem, you know, he's not prepared to have that call, right? And let's right. go force it on. Let's go do something that's forced on the customer, which is counterproductive from a sales standpoint. Indeed. And then we also find, we also find, don't we, that when let's say we have a, a sales individual who's very tenured, right? So he's been with the company a long time very experienced, his numbers are okay. Let's, let's, let's just imagine we have that chap, and then the manager says to him, hey, Frank, um, you know, week on Thursday, let's spend a couple of days together out, you know, you and me going to see some clients. The very tenured guy thinks, 
what what have I done? Why why am I in trouble? I don't need. I, what have I done? And he goes, no, no, nothing. I just you know want to spend some time with you. And then they take the they take great affront at it, and they go, yeah. Well, um, well, I I've been doing this thirty years. I don't need anybody to come and you know tell me what to do. But if you think about if you think about, we were just talking before before we pushed the record button that I'm a Manchester City fan and you're a Liverpool fan, right? So yeah, I'm my, sorry uh, for you, by the way. Yes, okay, thanks. <laughs> we'll get you next year, right? But um, <laughs> so my manager, yeah, right, is a chap called uh, Pep Guardiola, and yours, yours is Jurgen Klopp, a fellow right? Spaniard for you, yeah, yeah <laughs> right, yes, indeed. So Jurgen Klopp, right? So. Um, uh, or, or it doesn't even have to be soccer. Think of any team, baseball, you know, football, basketball, any any Australian Olympic women's curling, right? Anything, any team you can think of whatsoever. The coach, right? So Jurgen or Pep Guardiola, right? They They see every single game that their players play, right? So not only do they, not only do they say in the dressing room before, before the game, right before the event, here's our game plan, right? Here's our plan for for this particular um, encounter. Here's what we're going to do. They've, they've practiced it to destruction in advance of the game, right? They're, he'll do lots of motivational, have lots of motivational conversation. Then they'll the game will start, and they'll do lots of you know maybe kind of timeouts if it's American football, right? And they'll do lots of course corrections, and then at halftime there'll be a course correction, and at the end and and the coach is very active in what's going on in on the field, right? And 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 if a coach ever said to the owner of the team. Hey, listen, I, I don't know that I'm going to come to the game on Saturday. I'll read about it in the sports papers, you know, <laughs> uh, right? I'll read the report in a, in a couple of days. Well, he wouldn't be very long for this world, would he? The, the, the owner of the team wouldn't stand for that. And, and beyond that, here's another thing that, that, that Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp never do, right? Is, or, uh, is when someone's about to take a free kick or about to do something really important, they don't say, uh, can we just stop for a second? They put their boots on and run onto the field yeah, and actually it. and take control, right? And and kick it. That that never happens, and we see that happening all over the place. Where a sales manager will see a sales individual struggling, right, and they'll jump in to rescue and save the day, right? And so, and again, think about the coach coming back to the Manchester City Liverpool thing that. Um, the 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 individual that the, the players on the team they actually actively want their coach to be there. They actually say, give me feedback, right? Critique, not criticism, but how do I get better, boss, right? The, the coach is there at all the training events, right? He'll have one-on-ones with them. He'll have reviews with them. They'll work on issues. They'll see something that happens in the game today on Saturday, and they'll be on the training field on Monday trying to work on any particular weakness, right? And if you use a sports analogy, the manager is super cool and relaxed and it's actually his job to do all of these things and the players welcome it. And that's just the way the world works. However, coming back to the sales environment, there are lots of sales managers that, that are nervous about doing the drive along. They, they don't think it's part of their job. They think they can just read monthly reports or look at the sales numbers, which frankly are what we call lagging indicators, right? But 
but and don't get involved in, in in paying attention to the leading indicators, which is the right behaviors, attitudes, and techniques of the, of the of the salesperson. Actually, during the call, right? They don't pay enough attention to the leading. They only pay attention to the lagging. They're just reading the sports pages and and deciding how to train the team, which is bonkers. And the 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 the, the players on the team aren't the slightest bit offended if the manager says, "Hey, listen, stay behind and let's work on some other." stuff at the end of the right at the, at the end of the session they're perfectly okay with it but then you get these tenured salespeople who think i, I don't need to uh, i don't need to bring my boss around with me what do i need to, what do i need that level of oversight for you know well yeah and you, okay so so many issues that you, that you raised right. there is is, <laughs> right. is and i think and you refer to some book you know you compare sports to sales which is Perhaps a, a tired cliche, in some ways, but otherwise, I think it's really appropriate. Right. So, first of all, you say, you know, we, we sure let's look at um, a game of soccer. We'll talk soccer. Is, is you and I both love soccer? Is, is <laughs> okay, right. To me, the game itself, the match it's played, is like, yeah, it's like you're the next to last call before you close an order, right? It's sort of the decisive moment in, in the transaction. It could be the, the bake off presentation. It could be, you know, it's the sort of the most significant, right? Seemingly most significant event. And I say seemingly, and yeah, generally people will, you know, watch that. The coaches will watch the game film and see what they did and so on. But in, in soccer, they pay. If you listen to and believe what you're reading is actually pay more attention to, watching the tape of practice they do what takes place during practice and that's what dictates who starts the match and who makes the bench and so on right which i draw the comparison of those looking at what's happening in practice is um you know your initial conversation a discovery call a qualification call you know an initial presentation or something things that are perceived by Sales managers are sort of being less important, but from an actual standpoint, are more decisive than that big meeting up front in terms of actually getting the order, right? Because if yeah. you do a lousy job of discovery, you're going to end up talking to a prospect or a qualification, you're going to do it, you're going to spend all this wasted time with somebody that's not going to buy. Right. And so I see this all the time with ride alongs, but also in the virtual ride along, is that you know, managers are paying more attention listening to calls that they, they consider as being sort of decisive, important, as opposed to the ones that really make a difference. Yeah, I, you make a great point. And so every organization worth its salt has their own sales process. And, and everybody on, on, in the sales team, the sales management team, the leadership team, in any organization, it should be crystal clear what the sales process for that particular organization looks like. And, and the reason I make start by saying that you'll be, you'll be amazed how many uh, companies that we coach and train and when we ask the sales team to to write down what their sales process is if we ask 30 people we, we typically get 30 different processes right sure so, so so first of all let's assume let's just work on the assumption which i know is a flawed assumption because that that's a whole different conversation for another time andy but uh, if we work on the assumption that everybody everybody is very clear what their sales process looks like and some of it will maybe some of it maybe some lead lead generation maybe some development maybe then as you say some discovery and qualification maybe then some 
you know, control and close and maybe then some delight and then expand the relationship, right? So if you just take that as a 30,000 feet, there'll be some form of that. What we would like to happen is that the ride-alongs um, are, quote, unquote, the most average days that you could get, which would be a mixture of all of those things over time, right? So if any particular sales manager is um, spending any time, quote, unquote, in the field, either virtually or or, or physically, that they make sure that there is a good spread of stuff, not just closing, closing, closing meetings, so that so that the individual sales guy just is just in search of the attaboys, right? And then again, the world is smelling of paint when that's happening. So we want a good mixture of stuff: the, the early stages, the middle stages, and and the end stages. And we also want a good mixture of clients, right? A good mixture of what what that individual sales professionals client base looks like some large and some small it's got to be the most average typical day and it's a bit like the the fight you know the 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 pilot that goes into the um uh, in, into the flight simulator right? mm-hmm. what they don't do with the pilot in the flight simulator they don't say hey frank um here's what we're going to do we're going to um take off from jfk and we're going to land in eight hours in London Heathrow. And then the pilot doesn't just taxi in his flight simulator, take off, sit there for eight hours, right, in clear, perfect weather, and then land in, in Heathrow eight and a half hours. That's not what happens in a flight simulator. What they want to see in the flight simulator is how does the pilot deal with easy stuff, difficult stuff, right, very mm-hmm. regular stuff and very unexpected stuff. What does the pilot do when all the engines go off? Yeah, yeah. right. The hydraulics go or they get hit by lightning. That's what they do in the flight simulator. And that's what they do on the training ground, coming back to what you were saying, right? On the training ground, when Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp um, are spending time with their, with their team, they don't say, let's play a game. Now let's play another 90 minutes game. Now let's play another 90 minutes game. They don't. They do things in small, small packets of feverish activity, right? And that's what we want the, the, the manager to practice with his people when he sees a weakness or when he or she sees a weakness, practice that in between, give them lots of focus, make sure that that's an area that's being developed and then see evidence that things are getting better in reality and that's that whole process of what do we need to focus on why where 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 can we improve it so 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 the 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 actual the actual ride along if done properly turns into coaching sessions right for the for the for the individual and so it needs to be a mixture of things um and uh, go ahead well, I, so I've got this question. This one really, this one bugs me, and I ask it of a lot of people on the show, and and it relates to what we're talking about because you list early in the book the top six responsibilities of sales leaders: right, supervise slash manage direct reports, recruit new staff, train develop people, coach their team to higher levels of performance, mentor the best and the brightest, and then sort of catch all all the other crap. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Though you don't say crap, but. No. Um, I do when I don't. You're, you're more you're more refined than I am. No, so, no, I do say crap when I'm writing it in the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so stuff. <laughs> each of these are sort of a unique, distinct skill set. Right. 
And so go back to the soccer example. And again, I beg the indulgence of regular listeners because I use this example with some frequency. Right. Is if you look at the coaching staff of Liverpool, and so we're going to say, look, professional sports teams are designed to extract the best performance out of the men and women that are the players on the team. Right. And as a result, increasing over time, these staffs, regardless of the sport, but we'll stick with soccer, is there are specialists yeah. that are designed to help, that are there, hired on the staff to help people improve performance in one or more dimensions. Take a soccer team. They've got a fitness a performance coach. They've got a nutrition and health performance coach. They've got a skills performance coach. Yeah. Liverpool has a throw-in coach. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. On yeah, the staff. free kick. There'll be a free kick. There'll be a goalie coach. There'll so, be and a they have a goalkeeper yeah. coach. Right. Of course. We've got none of that in sales. We assume that you, as a sales leader, are the jack of all trades, that you know everything about coaching and mentoring and training. Right. And on top of that, we don't train them in any of these skills. Indeed. So, so how do we expect people? So, I mean, you, you talked about a client with you know, 17,000 employees. And I guarantee you they've got a VP of sales or a CRO. They've got you know, some directors of sales. They may have a director of sales enablement mm-hmm. who's not trained to train people. It's just a job they give people. It's like, and they've usually come up through sales themselves, is when is sales going to start acting like they're managing a performance or based organization and bring train people or bring you know, specialists in that know how to get the job done? Right. Well, the world class, the, the best in class and the world class uh, or, organizations like Liverpool and Manchester City, right? They do. But um, not the sales organizations. And they're world class sales. I mean, I, I always I like using the example is, is uh, if you ever watch the show Billions about no. traders, okay. uh, hedge fund right. traders, and so on. Okay, right. Is you know, the critical employee there is the staff shrink. Right. The staff psychiatrist. <laughs> right. Okay. Nice. Because, you know, the guys I am down, I'm sort of in a slump. You know, this is what I'm going through. Right. Why wouldn't you, if you run a big, you know, you're not going to do it in a small company, but if, you know, if you're running a multi billion dollar organization, why, why don't you have a, a motivation expert as right. part of the sales management team? Why don't you have a shrink? Why don't you have somebody who understands human performance and how we have to? We don't do any of that. So why why is that the case? Well, do you know it's it's a, it's a great question, and and I often say, and and we train we train and and coach people all the way through that whole sales, customer service, leadership. We you know we coach and train all of all of those different distinct uh, areas, and and I genuinely believe, and we may we may just, we may just be about to lose some listeners, right? So if there's any way of measuring it, now's the time to turn the uh, turn the, the measurement device on. I, I actually think that sales management is the hardest role in any organization, uh, and I've run sales teams and I've and I've run companies, right? Uh, and I've been a sales sales uh, sales sales professional too. It's the hardest role because just as you say, they have these six areas to to operate in. And here's what they do. What they get very good at is they get very good at managing stuff and they get very good at doing all the other stuff because 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 that's the example that they've seen because they know how to manage things. And they're, they're, it even has it in their title, right? Sales manager, right? So they think that they have to manage stuff. Here's the thing. 
most of what goes on in the sales professional's head is conceptual, not technical. And so the solution isn't management. The solution is coaching. And whenever I am I'm recruiting for my clients, um, if anybody has had any coaching experience and I'm recruiting for a sales management position, I'll take that person over, over practically anybody because, because management, sales management more than anything else, isn't, it isn't goal setting or expectation setting or, or monitoring or supervising or the use of directed authority. The best sales managers in the world are the best coaches. So come back to Pep Guardiola, right? So yeah, he'll have specialists for things, but what, what Pep Guardiola, because Pep Guardiola isn't that good a player. Neither is Jurgen Klopp. Neither is Tiger Woods' coach. If, if Tiger Woods played golf against Tiger Woods' coach, we're mixing our sports now, but I don't even know who Tiger Woods' coach is, right? No. But, but, but I'm pretty sure, in fact, I know for sure that, that Tiger Woods would wipe the floor, right, with, with his coach because Tiger but, Woods is a significantly better player than his coach. But what is his coach? His coach raises Tiger's game by being a terrific coach. And if you can, if you're a good coach, all of the other things that we've talked about um, are less important because most salespeople's issues, I'm going to say 90%, and that isn't in any way measured or proven, right? But 90% of sales guys' issues, and I've been running sales teams and training sales teams for 30 years, right? Most of the issues are conceptual and therefore at their root, requires coaching the issue then is well what do we coach them and you can't get what needs to be coached from a monthly report or a sales report the coach has to see it they have to see the issues for real in real-time combat not just in a role play with the manager but in real-time situations and the only way to to see that to know what needs to be coached is to be present when when they fall off the bike well, but I, the, my question was a little a little different, though, right? Because on the sales side, mm-hmm. increasingly we see sellers handling specialized sales roles, SDRs, BDRs, AEs, customer success, and so on. Right. So we've yep. said, look, we're, these are specialized roles, and we're going to train people and give them the experience, hopefully become specialists, and we can be better at that. I don't know, that's this whole separate conversation about how we do that. But that's the trend that we're right. on. Yep. But then we get to management. It's still frontline manager, sales sales manager, sales leader. Nothing's changed. I mean, yes, there's sales enablement departments and sales operations that, but they've existed sort of in one form or another. We're sort of rebranded those. But those people that are directly responsible for those those performers, we haven't changed at all. And that, and so I find it curious that, and wondering the motivation you know for big corporations like. I know we're off track of the ride along, but it sort of plays to it is, right. is, yeah, we want to specialize our people, but we don't want to specialize our manager. We still have the expectation that our VP of sales, that our director of sales, our frontline managers, that they, they're experts in all these things, which is, which is virtually impossible. And they can't, all, they can't all go out and rely on, let's go hire you know, your firm to go coach them because that needs to be integrated into the organization. Right, right. But, so you are, you are exactly right, but I come back to the that the guy that coaches Tiger Woods how to play golf is not as good a golfer as right. Tiger Woods, right? Okay, but here's my point. So what he is, 
is a great coach as opposed to a, a great golfer. So, so the guy that's going to improve the performance of any particular sales speciality, I'm going to argue, so long as at their heart they are a great coach, they don't have to be, as, as the coach, an expert at the thing. Uh, they don't have to be oh, better I- at the, right. Well, but here, but here's the point, though. They have to be an expert at coaching, and this they have is to be an so expert at coaching. Correct. Right. So, correct. My here's my point: is we're expecting you laid out six things that they need to do. Right. We're expecting to be expert in all those. Yes. And so my point yeah. is, yeah, uh, the way a sales organization should be staffed at the top is, yeah, maybe have a VP of sales, and then, yeah, I've got instead of having in addition maybe to having some frontline managers, I may have three specialized coaches all they do is coaching that's that would be perfect that, right? that they don't they don't manage terrific. they yeah. just coach that's their job yeah. or we have people that you know that their job is is to improve their performance you know i see performance as being different than coaching because these days in sales so often coaching is really about opportunity coaching right it's not about personal development skill development so on it's about how do we win this deal right fine great that that's coaching but and you spell it out there's mentoring the the best and the brightest. I think you mentor should mentor everybody, but why don't we have, you know, a staff psychiatrist that can help people through the ups and downs? Why don't we have? We can certainly these big companies can certainly afford that. Yeah, but it's because that's why I'm always I'm sort of struck by. It's like, well, what's the disconnect here? It's because they just don't. We can't say they don't invest in sales, but they really don't invest in sales. It's like, <sighs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna specialize these roles. We're but. You know, we're going to give lip service to training, and we're going to give lip service to these other things. We're not really serious about it. I mean, oh, right. As well, long as we get, as long as we start hit our numbers, that's great. But you know, I, somebody coming from a performance profession would look at sales and say, "Weesh," you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you know the, for instance, people may, may or may not know if you want to become a professional soccer coach in Europe. There's this incredibly rigorous licensing process you have to go through. Very arduous. Multiple courses, yeah. multiple stages, uh, very detailed. Nothing similar, nothing even close to approaching it from a sales standpoint. No. Nothing. And why not? It exists. We can do it. Uh, yeah, let's start, a, let's start a campaign. But it's even worse than that because here's what happens. They go... Who so the, so the old manager goes for whatever reason retires or moves on and then they go okay so now we need a new manager who should we pick and then typically they go well who's our best sales guy Tom right Tom you're the new manager right <laughs> just because he's the best sales guy they think he's going to be the best manager which is entirely wrong because yeah. imagine so the best you know if you said to somebody who's the best soccer player in the world and they'll say Lionel Messi some lunatics will say Cristiano Ronaldo but. <laughs> But, but what they're actually they're actually answering the wrong question because because Sadio Mane, by the way. What's that, sorry? <laughs> yeah, right. So Lionel Messi is not the best soccer player in the world. He's the best left footed striker, right? It's not how good would he be in goals? Terrible, right? Because he's five foot four, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, most goalies these days are right over seven feet. And you can't you can't coach tall, as I'm constantly reminding my clients, right? And so so you have just as you say you have you have these specialists but imagine if you know that the coach retired and then you go okay well let's get the job who's the best player on the pitch Lionel Messi right you're you're now the coach will he be a good coach no but we just assumed that he would be I mean he may be but just because he's a great player doesn't mean he's going to be a great coach and they do the same 
companies do the same all the time. They say, let's look at uh, the sales for our new VP of sales, uh, our top sales person. And that's such a mistake because it's not based on skill sets, competencies, you know, uh, uh, um, it's not based on behaviors, it's just based on, again, lagging indicators. He may, yeah. be, he, he may be the best sales guy in terms of dollars or revenue because he's got the easiest clients, right? He's got the, he's got the plum accounts, right? So, oh gosh, you and I yeah, could well, talk all, all day on this. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. you, pulled, you triggered me on, on this whole topic. So, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've ranted on this long enough. I do want to get back in the time we have left on yeah. – and not to dismiss the importance of of the specialized <laughs> skills needed to coach, because where that's a huge gap that exists in sales. And stay tuned; the show we'll we'll talk more about it. But oh, you can invite me on again, and I'll tell you how to coach salespeople one day. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll, but we're sorry, let's finish off with that because yeah. you know there's we talked early on about okay now we've got the virtual ride along, and you lay out in the book a, a process for planning the ride along right and you say you know oftentimes the typical problems are there's no pre-call plan uh, there's no agenda necessarily for the call um, sales manager and the seller haven't sort of ironed out what role they're going to play in the call um, you know it could be the manager jumping in and so on so when you look at it from a virtual perspective mm-hmm. okay you have to go through a lot of the same steps I would think so so lay out you know, sort of the, you call it a contract, but if you're, and not talking about a seller, a sales manager just monitoring a call, you know, being silent, just monitoring, which you, a lot of them do. It's a great way to listen to what's going on or it's listening to a, a recorded call. But, you know, if you're actually going to participate on the call, I said you use a, you call it a contract language, is, is, you know, pre call agreement. So spell those out for us. Yeah. So I think the, Coming back to that whole the, the whole principle of the sales process, I I don't believe I uh, this is uh, a firmly held belief of mine over the years <laughs> that I don't think that any salesperson, sales professional, should go into a call without first arranging with themselves in some way some kind of pre-call plan. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. 100%. So, right. Right. Uh, to the extent that if any of the people that I train, and we train a lot of them. Um, can't produce a pre-call plan for a particular call, like there are incredibly serious ramifications. So it's like it's that important. So we need a pre-call plan, which is you know before the before the event, if you like. Um, then we need to do the event, and then we need to review the event, right? So there's a pre-call plan, and we do that. We will execute the plan, and then we'll review the plan. But in the pre-call plan, there are certain elements that there are certain things as a minimum that we have to have understood. Not only what our objectives are, but what our fallback objectives are, and what our agreement looks like, and the agenda up front, and and there are lots of things talked about in the book of what should be really well understood before we invest, you know, the time and effort and energy and people to 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 have this meeting. One of the one of the agreements in that pre-call plan is what role is everybody going to take, right? So from the selling perspective, is the manager there? just to observe that's that's a very credible thing for the manager to do is the manager there um to actually lead the meeting and uh, i'm not a big fan of those but i recognize that, that there are some circumstances where that should happen or is it a joint enterprise where where we're going to deal with some stuff um the, the, it could be that the meeting is specifically 
to deal with customer complaints or customer service issues, and, and therefore maybe somebody else is present. So let's agree not only what our objectives are and the, and, and the prospect or the client's objectives, but let's also agree uh, what role everybody is going to take so that there's, there's no misunderstanding. Because what the worst thing we want to do is just because an, another person is involved that everything uh, turn, you know, goes pear-shaped. Right, so and we call this a, a, a an upfront contract, right? Which is talks about who's doing what and why and where and when. Is that really, really, really understood? And make sure that 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 is understood before the day, right? And also before the in, individual <laughs> event. And then do well, the thing. And, and just to inject things, yeah, is, yeah. is as a seller at that moment mm-hmm. when you're having this this call, and this is, happens too frequently, whether it's virtually or or physically. Yeah. Is your manager's not there to save you? No. You know, if if you think this is a meeting where you're gonna have a hard conversation about something, yeah, you need to have that hard conversation. You need to take the risk of looking bad in front of your manager. Yeah. Because otherwise, how are you gonna improve? How are you gonna understand how to have those conversations? It's not good enough to have your manager jump in and save you. But that's and what they do. But that's I know, what they and I've, do. Yeah. I've been on both. <laughs> right. I've been on both ends of those. Yeah, they shouldn't. It's the worst thing they can do. It's the worst thing they can do. Yeah, because a they may not do it right, and and b you should know the customer better. But the job, the point of a ride along is is for somebody to see you in action. And so whether it's you're on a Zoom call or you're in front of the customer, which these days you're going to be on a Zoom call, mm-hmm. is yeah, it's your meeting. And yeah. as a manager, then you have to be willing to let someone sink. I mean, yeah. I, I work for a manager. Hot. That he wouldn't say a thing if the meeting was going sideways and I was messing up, which I did on occasion. Right. He didn't fix it. Love it. Love <laughs> we it, left. Man. We left. And I had to go I had to go back and fix it some other time. Yeah. But you know they and and the best ones do that. In other words, they don't bail them out. They don't they let don't... people fail. It's so yeah. important. Yeah, the, the best way, and do you have children? Yeah, yeah, right. you, you, met, you met one just a bit earlier. Oh, okay, okay, I, I wasn't aware. But So the best way to learn how to not fall off a bike is to fall off a bike and, and because then you learn not what, what to not do to fall off a bike. And, and a parent that doesn't let go of the saddle and let them fall off the bike because they want to save them and protect them and, and look after them and – it, it doesn't do them any favors, right? <laughs> right. But, mm-hmm. and, and what happens is a lot of, a lot of managers, they think, well, I get the big books. I've got the big car. I know best. And when they see their sales professional floundering, they think make way for the, you know, the talents arrived and then they jump in and save the day. Right. It's called the lone ranger syndrome, right? Where they just wanted to see the village is all in distress and, and there's bad things about to happen and they ride into town uh, shoot all the baddies and become the hero, and then they ride off into the sunset to to do it again, right? Just to save the day, and and that's a terrible sales ma- that's a terrible sales manager. But well, they- less generously, we might call that the helicopter parents. Oh yeah, 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 right. Okay, who are just want to, who want to like watch over them at every second of the day, but. Um, yeah, so so poor managers jump in. They think it's an ego play. They do it to stroke their own ego, largely. And the, and 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 in the military, they have an expression which is "leave your stripes at the door." Right. So so don't 
we, that's why we have a pre-call plan that basically says, what's my role in this, Mr. S- you know, as the sales professional? What's your role as a sales manager? Because if that's not very, very clear, what happens is people start to jump in, rescue, take over, take control, which comes back to Pep Guardiola saying to uh, Aguero, who's just about to take a free kick, let me show you how it's done right in front of uh, 80,000 fans and 4 million people on telly, right? And so they, Pep Guardiola wants to do that, but he doesn't do that. Neither should the sales manager. Right. But this is my point about why we need in sales organizations to have professional coaches, right? not managers. Because then when you do a ride along, the thing is when, when you bring your manager on a ride along, and it's true, whether again, virtual or in person, and you introduce that they're on the call, the customer has the understandable expectation that somehow the manager is going to contribute to this meeting, right? Why are they here? Right. And you can set the stage all you want. They're just here to watch, right? They're just here to watch, but they carry that manager title. And so the customer, you know, assigns more importance to them. will look to them. Whereas if we were smart as a profession and said, look, we're going to have these professional coaches ago. If you go to a meeting with a professional coach and they say, yeah, there's, they're here to observe professional coach no i don't work for them they're they work for <laughs> right 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 they work for our company they're just here to make me better yeah the customer wouldn't pay any attention to them no and i do that for my clients all the time i i do that often where i will do ride along and when people look to me and say you know because they, they they think i'm the senior guy there so they look to me and i go i don't know frank what do you think right and keep deflecting it back to them make it super clear that the the, the other thing is that if it happens with more frequency, so so you don't just see this manager once every blue moon, right? Maybe once every three years, but you see him quite he him or her quite regularly. Then they get used to that. Your they get used to your presence eventually. It's when you try and introduce the ride along that's never been done and it's not part of the organization's DNA that there is resistance and there is resistance all over the place. There's resistance from the company because they don't want their manager. They don't want to lose sight of their manager. They like seeing from the company, they like seeing the manager in the room, right? So that they can go and talk to them at any time, right? There's resistance from the company because they're like, why is this guy here? Why, you know, interfering? There's resistance from the sales guys like, I don't need this. And and so, but if it becomes part of the the, the, the normal rhythm and DNA of the organization, then the, if it's your standard MO, then there's less resistance. There's only resistance when you introduce it as new. Makes sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> as you can tell, this is an issue near and dear that I'm passionate about is, is we are still struggling given all of our technology, given all the advantages we have to help our sellers perform at higher levels. And, you know, even though we have relatively light industry data about performance metrics, and generally they're trending in a negative direction, mm-hmm. and it just shouldn't be the case. And and I believe the the real problem starts with how we've structured management in a very conventional sense, and we don't recognize that sales really is more like sports than just the cliche of yeah. motivation and being resilient and so on. It's about how we make people better, and there's so much, so many lessons we could take from the way sports teams that are performance-based organizations do it, and we're not there yet, and hopefully we'll be at some point. Yeah, I think sports and military 
right? Yes, uh, one the military, of my, absolutely. Yeah, because the military don't do anything without a pre-call plan or, or, or some kind of campaign plan. They don't do anything with that and then without that. And then they run, you know, the campaign or try and capture the hill or whatever it is. And then they instantly review and that's how they get better. Mm-hmm. And the military, you know, in terms of what's our plan, what's our strategy, Let's execute it. It's a very dynamic, uh, and, and in Top Gun, right? Not just the movie, but the real place called Top Gun. Um, they, when you think about what they teach the best, you know, they take the best of the best of the best fighter pilots in the world. So they know how to fly a plane, right? To Top Gun, they 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 know they wouldn't get there unless they know how to fly a plane with their eyes shut. What they do is, so when you say to them at Top Gun. So what is it that you teach these guys, right? And then they said, well, their world is 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 filled with VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, mm-hmm. chaos, confusion, and ambiguity. We teach them to deal with that by intentionally having a plan, running the event, and then doing the debrief. And the debrief, this is the piece that surprises most people, and I'm not suggesting this in a sales environment, but just to just to understand how the military, the the the, the value that they place on the pre-call plan, running the event, and then the debrief, they typically, in Top Gun, they debrief every minute in theater and engaged action. Um, They debrief for every minute in the air, typically about 45 minutes to 60 minutes per minute. That's 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 how maniacally granular their debrief is. And that's how you get people to be absolutely, you know, the best of the best of the best, you know, world class, um, uh, uh, are the best. So, so, so when you think about the ride along, what typically happens, another mistake that typically happens is everybody does the pre-call plan because intuitively they know that's the thing to do. And then they do the, 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 they do the event, right? They, they run the meeting and then the debrief's like five minutes. Uh, and, and the debrief is actually where the real magic happens when, when it's like comparing what happened to what, you know, and it's 30, 30, it's 2020, you know, beautiful little hindsight vision, right? Mm. Knowing now what we know, when he said this, you said that, what could we have said, right? The, the magic's in the debrief, and that's the piece that sales managers are typically the worst at, the debrief. Yeah. Well, again, we're giving more more tools these days to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they just have to, they have to use it, and that'd be a whole different conversation about about that. So, right. unfortunately, we've run out of time, but it's been a fascinating talk, Antonio. So, I enjoyed it. How uh, how can people connect with you and find out more about what you do? Uh, so just send me an email, I guess, would be the best thing to do. Would that be okay if I give my email? Sure, give your email, of course. Okay, so, so it's Antonio, which is A-N-T-O-N-I-O, Antonio, dot uh, Garrido, which is G-A-R-R-I-D-O, Antonio, dot Garrido, at Sandler, which is S-A-N-D-L-E-R, Sandler, Antonio.garrido at sandler.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Perfect. All right. Well, Antonio, it's been a lot of fun and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again. Thanks very much. I really, uh, it's been a hoot. Thank you ever so much. <laughs> Stay right, safe. Okay. You too. All right. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank Antonio Garrido for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could also leave us a rating or a review, 
and let us know how we're doing, we'd really appreciate it. And you can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this podcast is over. So thanks for your help. And remember, connect with me on LinkedIn or drop me a message. And I said, if you have a question about anything that we discuss on the show, thank you so much for investing time to join me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>